This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego. I'm joined, as always, by managing editor Andrew Keats. What's up, managing editor Andrew Keats? How you doing, Scott? Well, thank you. And on the board, helping us today, she might chime in here and there, Adriana Heldes. Hello, Adriana. Hello. So you were familiar with Mark Morrison and, uh, and the song? I would say I was like five years old in the 90s, but yes, I know who he is. Okay, of course I did too. <laughs> Still more Tefton than Scott. Yeah, I, I know more about 90s culture than Scott ever will. <laughs> I uh, peaked in the 90s, but didn't catch that. We're going to talk about that song and the lip sync video about it, of it, parodied of it uh, by Marita Gloria and his staff. It went mildly viral. San Diego, old San Diego is meeting new San Diego and it's awkward AF. Get your kids the vaccine or figure out homeschool. We've got some updates on vaccine mandates. San Diego Unified School Board approved a big one this week, and the mayor stood firm on his own about the San Diego police officers who have been upset by his requirement that they and all city employees get the vaccine. Now they've got one more month to comply. Reporter Lisa Halverstadt and Adriana witnessed a big city operation when police addressed a homeless encampment this week. In the Midway District, they're going to talk about what they saw. And Lisa's going to tell us what's really going on with the mayor's policy toward the homeless in San Diego. That's all coming up. But first, earlier this year, we at Voice San Diego were struggling a little bit. We were having a lot of long discussions about PolitiFest. Every year that there's an election, PolitiFest is easy. We got a lot of elected officials and debates to do. But on the off years, we're never quite sure exactly how to do that. What was the most relevant theme we could take on? We were talking about what do we owe San Diego? How can we serve San Diegans with the most important information they need? That's how we landed on this year's theme, law and justice. There's obviously so many conversations going on about criminal justice and about the law, about crime, all kinds of things. So five nights, five panels, all virtual, all dedicated to something we feel has dominated public discussion over the last year. You can check out those panels about surveillance technology, homelessness, who's going to be the next sheriff, and more at VOSD.org slash PolitiFest. Get your tickets now before the price goes up October 4th. That's again, October 4th. Students are always free. And if you have a little trouble affording it, let us know. We'll help you get there. Again, get your tickets before October 4th. See all the details at VOSD.org slash PolitiFest. Mayor Todd Gloria is in the center of a social media storm, but it has nothing to do with his policies or plans. Instead, it's his dance moves and lip syncing. News HD Price has more on the video that has some people upset. Yeah, that was it. That, that's the story in San Diego City Hall this week. A video of the mayor lip syncing to Mark Morrison. 
<laughs> just call it just Return of the Mac. The one song from the nineties that I don't know because I was living under a rock. <laughs> Return of the Mac, Mark Morrison, very famous. Uh, we all jammed to it in the nineties <laughs> song, including me, who was cool, knew all the songs. Mayor Todd Gloria and his staff translated that into a uh, corny <laughs> attack on his predecessor, Mayor Kevin Faulkner. Also, uh, it was it was this lip sync video. They're dancing around City Hall. They're in parks. There's a lot of uh, people. Now, Andy and I, we're familiar of, with this sort of thing, right? Unfortunately. Uh, this For the last 16, 17 years I've been in San Diego, mostly led by the Taxpayers Association, local San Diego politicians have participated regularly in these parody skits, these videos, usually a theme like the Titanic or Les Miserables or something like that, where they're, they're trying to like take that and translate it into you know, insider jokes about San Diego policy and stuff. Right. Very unfunny, very corny, but also very, very, very cringy, but, but also that, very common. Yes. But yeah. you can, you can look away. Yeah. But bipartisan, uh, everybody's involved usually. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm struggling to even talk about it because I dislike it so much. I know, I know but I know. It's, that's part of what I want to tap into. <laughs> Tell me why you dislike it so much. Well, it's just it's like, do you have a bigger like philosophical problem? Like these people shouldn't be hanging out and having fun like this, or is it just the plan planned having fun? Like you hate yeah, when people try. Have, to, that's it. It's I don't mind engineered fun. I don't. Yeah, I don't mind them. <laughs> having fun together, uh-huh. I mind knowing that they think this is fun. <laughs> yeah. it As someone who has fun, it offends me <laughs> on behalf of the phenomenon of fun as a concept. That's Andrew that's Keats, the offensive part the to me. The fun police. <laughs> it's, it's, offense, it's, like, it, it's like a bad sitcom to me. It's like, it bothers me that people like it. Okay, good. I'm glad we finally got to the heart of that because I, I, it's not. There's no principle at stake except believing that things should be fun and that this isn't. I think there's no more stark difference between you and I than the fact that I'm all bored. Yeah, you've been featured you've in been, these yeah. these unfun things. All right. So, so what happened? And now again, the Taxpayers Association used to do all these. But for some reason, over the last, what, five years, the Taxpayers Association has yeah, kind of fizzled, right? Well, they it, there's a production company they hire. So like, if, you're, if you looked, if you had the misfortune of seeing this video, um, or if you had the misfortune of being duped into caring about this video, <laughs> you might have been flummoxed by the high production value mm-hmm. and the fact that it's clearly choreographed. Like, So you've been saying that the taxpayers did this or that the mayor's office did this. Relatively important corrective. None of them did it. They hired a firm. They hire a yeah. firm that does this. Yeah. And the, with the, high values, like the lighting, I, they do multiple takes. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah they write scripts. That, yeah. I mean, like the mayor's speechwriters weren't writing right. this thing. And so uh, that there's all that. But all of that feeds into why this was so startling to people because it looks like somebody spent an awful lot of money on yeah. this, which they did. It's just a professional company on behalf of an outside nonprofit group. All right. So here's what happened. So the, the downtown partnership has kind of p- tried to apparently pick up some of the slack of the the, ta- the taxpayers association's innovation here mm-hmm. and it has been doing it. And so every year since I think like 2010 or 11 or eight or something, San Diego mayors have annually done 
a roast where they speak and they roast the community at the downtown partnership speech. Remember how butthurt everybody got about Bob Filner's roast? Yeah. But- <laughs> oh no, what happened? He, he got up and did it. And he parent- was just, it was just Bob Filner. He was just mean. He was, <laughs> <laughs> he was just mean to everyone. And no one. Yeah, I got so many text people like, oh my God, I can't believe what he did. Yeah, there was a lot of fainting couches around town that, that <laughs> yeah, day. There. Yeah. And so this was going to be Todd Gloria's first one of those as as official mayor, right? Yeah. And so they did, they produced the downtown partnership, produced this video, and here's a snippet of it to introduce him in this Todd talk, as it's called. You're in so much pain. I'm in physical pain. <laughs> I hate it so okay, much. Okay, Todd, that was that was good. Uh, just a little more movement in yeah. the hips. Um, yeah. like, Jane Campbell, just a little more teary-eyed, please. <laughs> like when you're setting, he said he'd solve franchise fee to return to the Mac. Somebody needs to stand up and be like, we don't have to do this. Let's all move on with our lives and do literally anything else. <laughs> all right, so this that's that's the general tenor. This thing bizarrely spreads through Twitter, spreads through Facebook. We're getting texts and emails like, what is this? Do you understand? How much did the mayor spend? Because it was dropped as like a random video. There was, yeah, there's no, there's no like, no context. No context that these things happen every year, that they're produced by this other company, and that there's this ethos within City Hall that you, you just have to be a good sport about it and you don't ask questions. I mean, like, Carl DeMaio, loathed by every person who he ever crossed paths with in City Hall, still went along with these stupid games. Even he. He said, even it, like uh, Bob a female Filner, vocalist in Lame is Rob. Yeah. yeah he, Bob Filner and Carl DeMaio went along with this shtick <laughs> to put it in context. Yeah. And so, like, it, it really only works among a ballroom of people. And it doesn't even work in that ballroom. No, but it, like, like it's fifty people. It's I'm only you. if you've bought into that premise can it even yeah. can you even bother watching it. And so somebody just throws it on on Twitter and it's like, look at these idiots. And <laughs> guilty, they are, they yes, do look like they idiots. <laughs> they do look like idiots. But like in their defense, it's not. No, so, they're, they're not even in their defense. Yeah, no, not this, even in their defense. This, this is why. Also, <laughs> this is why they look like that. Yeah, yeah. and so. Yeah, this thing goes. We're getting notes from what is this? What's the deal with the mayor in San Diego? Yeah, very people? well-meaning, confused people who, like, they're they're outraged. One of the detractors is the, is the La Prensa newspaper, and and he he put on Twitter with me. He's like, well, you know, this is it's one thing for them to do it for the Taxpayers Association, but not for the Downtown Partnership. This goes into their political action committee. He's he's doing a political hit with this, and I was like, well. Okay, I asked the downtown partnership, did they use the money for their pack? They're like, no. Stop, stop it, stop. <laughs> Don't, it was tortured <laughs> explanations. Just everybody knock it off. Okay. <laughs> the, the pack, I mean, come on. This is yeah. awful. What I found more, <laughs> most interesting is that people were really upset that he, he was roasting on Kevin Faulkner. They were pretending which, that was yeah, what no, they I, were upset about. I lost... The memo of like when it 
wasn't fun anymore to make fun of Kevin Faulkner. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I asked uh, the prince. They're, they're, they trash the Faulkner all the time, and they're acting like offended on his behalf. Like this guy attacked. So that was the whole theme of the video. Was just this like like Kevin Faulkner lied to Todd Gloria. So uh, that's the story on the video. Now here's my broader take on this: is that the old world where this was contained in a ballroom mm-hmm. with forty people who understood what was happening yeah. is not ready for the new world where that sort of thing goes viral on like Facebook and some dude in Tierra Santa is like, what's this about? Yes. It's <laughs> not ready. And to take it one step further, if that spells the end of this, then this won't all have been for nothing. That's true. <laughs> You're right. It might be done. Yeah. That, I mean, is it, Todd going to want to do that again based on this, even just the 24 hours to 36 hours of pain he's had about it? Right. No, I would I would presume not. I mean, like, because it, it, my understanding all the time was that it's just like, you have to be a good sport. Yeah. Like, don't complain about it. Everyone does it. It's fine. And I got to say, um, assume that people are going to be like, no, no. Yeah. I, I keep looking like a, a goofball for these things and then you share them now i have to answer to three days of news coverage about them <laughs> now i think there was another factor to this one is that during the day when the video started to spread the police were doing this action in midway against dozens of people who were encamped there homeless residents and there was just this feeling like what is happening in the city we got this mayor dancing and this this difficult scene playing out. We're going to talk about that later. But uh, there are people who are, don't like Todd Gloria and don't like this, what's going on that, that jumped on this. Well, that's that. I don't think you need to know anything else about that. And you should just wipe your memories of it for good. We're good, right? We're done. Yeah. Just cancel it. Yeah. Just cancel it. Tuesday night, San Diego Unified School District's Board of Education unanimously approved a requirement that all employees of the school district and students who are over the age of 16 get the COVID-19 vaccine or go to the independent study and virtual classes that they offer. Now, the crew that is going from public meeting to public meeting around the region proclaiming this sort of thing, the end of freedom made themselves heard. So did supporters. I got lots of notes from doctors and advocates who just wanted to see that requirement come in. So I don't really have a hot take on this, except San Diego Unified, again, gets my kudos for keeping schools open, the kids in school, cleaning the air. Everything's gone well so far. I've been pleased with it. They do have the virtual option. If you don't feel comfortable going to school because you're worried about COVID or because you're worried about this, whatever, go ahead, do it online. That's fine. I love that. <laughs> just do what you want. And uh, I don't know why people are... I, I, can't, I think people just can't quit the pandemic. They, they can't... There was a group that were fired up by the restrictions and lockdowns that were happening, and they can't quit that fire. Yeah. And there's a group that, like, there's another side, I think far more reasonable, that are still worried about the virus, but can't quit that. Right. And, and it's like, okay. Like, yeah. Well, and but this, I mean, this group, this group, this like opposition group, they're like turning this into their job. They're yeah. turning, they're trying to turn this into like the most of the people that are out front organizers, my understanding, do not live in San Diego Unified, do not have kids that go to San Diego Unified, they live in Carlsbad. 
So it's like they're behaving like a, like activists, not like angry parents. But I think they would they want to be perceived more like angry parents. Yeah. Well, the vaccination rate in San Diego is still pretty strong. The Delta variant's getting clobbered. Took care of that. Clobbering time. I mean, there's still too many people in the hospital dealing with this, but that number's going down rapidly. Case numbers are going down rapidly. But another group of people still a little bit upset about these sort of mandates. Police officers for the city of San Diego have been angry about the mayor's requirement that they and all city employees get the vaccine. And they made themselves known. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But this week, the city said, no, you still. You're going to have to do this. We'll give you, what, another month? It was another month, but if you build in the time that it takes to be vaccinated. They got to get going. They got to, like, they'll have to get going two weeks after what the previous mandate was. So So it seems like the mayor took their input and said, yeah, you still need the shot. Yeah. He kind of listened to you. Yeah. He might not have been quite so uh bill pullman and yeah, independence the, the day about it address i don't think he gave that <laughs> he might, but he might have taken some points from that <laughs> he realized like you maybe don't need to say anything you just you just keep, say, keep policy. Yeah, just like issue a memo that <laughs> says this is the date i would be no. terrible i'd be like <laughs> memo now here today i would like to broke. <laughs> so here's the question do we think that dozens of police officers are gonna quit adriana i mean I think it's more bark than bite, like at at this point, because I, it just seems like what what's all the effort for? Is there going to yeah. be one guy like, hey, I thought we were quit? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like on, like the go. like the first guy who takes off his his clothes to jump in the swimming pool at a party. <laughs> like, I thought everyone was doing what uh, what happened? Uh, I mean, there is a there is a pattern playing out. If you look, not just in San Diego, yeah. but but this also seems to be the case in San Diego, where this is has already advanced a little bit beyond where it is with the city employees is it's a pretty small fraction of employees that continue to insist that they're not going to take the vaccine all the way through to the end. Mm-hmm. The, the In other words, the vaccine mandates work. Mm-hmm. It pushes the number of vaccinated people up like uh, Sage Steele, who's a, a conservative um, personality who's on SportsCenter, SportsCenter anchor. She went on an anti-vax talk show and talked about how she got vaccinated in spite of her desire not to because ESPN had a mandate. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've seen at like hospital systems and Airline. other, uh, airlines, other public employee uh, systems that have these. They do mostly get vaccinated. Now, they're 5% or 1% of a giant labor pool can still be a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Still might be 500 resignations or something like that. Now, in the case of police, I'm guessing they don't resign i bet I they bet, they yeah, they start right the they start the process of trying to transfer to there's probably a couple of dudes that are a little bit away from entering the drop program and, or and getting they do through that. that and they're yeah. like i'm leaving now yeah you know and they got some you know pension weight and it's fine they're not really quitting right uh so we'll see uh we'll see what happens uh it, it'll it'll end up just being like swept into our overall pool that we're constantly dealing with of of staffing level churn mm-hmm. that the city is always dealing with. And this will be another factor that we get our, like a mid-year yeah, budget I, report on next year. And they, from what I can tell, they don't need more factors right now. There's a lot of short staffing situations. Uh, hopefully they can address it quick. 
On Tuesday, Adriana here witnessed a large-scale city operation to address a large homeless encampment that had been building in the Midway District. She photographed police officers offering shelter. She talked to some of the people who were upset about what was happening, along with advocates and concerns about what was going on there. Uh, it looked like a very dramatic scene. Adriana, any other um, insights or observations about it? Yeah, so this is the actually the second sweep that I've seen in person. And, you know, I think something that I've learned is that they happen pretty fast and it's chaotic because you have uh, the residents obviously getting their stuff ready to move. So they're trying to figure out how am I going to carry this, you know, to another location um, and and they're trying to do it under a time crunch, right? And so a lot of them have a lot of stuff with them already. And so you're trying to make these quick changes of, am I going to take this? Am I going to leave this here and possibly have it be thrown away? Or am I just going to try to like drag everything across the street? Um, and then you have police officers and city workers there trying to get it done as quick as possible as well. So it looks like something that you know, takes like two or three hours, but it's all done in like in a matter of minutes. And it's just a lot of emotion. So we have on the line, Lisa Halverstadt. She's been covering homelessness for us, obviously for, for many years now, and has done a lot of great investigative and explanatory work on it. Hello, Lisa. Hello. So Mayor Gloria announced several months ago that he was going to change the city's policy on these sort of sweeps, abatements, cleanups, whatever word we use to describe them. Now, based on what you know, what you saw, and what Adriana saw, has that policy changed? It's not entirely clear, in part because of the specifics of this operation. So let's go back to March when he made these announcements. He had said that city staff should try to establish more regular cleanups and sanitation schedules in some areas where they were doing them a lot. So folks would get more than the three-hour notice signs that have gone up, including for this operation. He'd also directed the city to make it clearer uh, to homeless people when their items were impounded. How could they get them back? And to take more care with their items. So three hours is what they got, or they got more this time? They got, a, in the Midway District, they got a three-hour notice uh -huh. to pack up and leave the area. Yes, and what I note about that is the Midway Camp uh, has received multiple cleanup notices in recent history, but it isn't on a regular schedule. And I was told that in the past, they usually got 72 hours notice. Now, this is significant because this week on Tuesday and Wednesday, they got just two or rather three hour notices for these operations. And I spoke with an attorney yesterday who negotiated a city settlement that dictates how these sweeps get handled. And he suggested that settlement might have suggested that they should get a 72 hour notice. Now, one thing I will say is that um, when I spoke to the city about this operation, they really did emphasize that there were lots of outreach workers um, with nonprofit PATH and also the city's homeless outreach team that had gone to the area um, on a regular basis in recent history. And they also said that 
complaints about homeless camps um, through the city's Get It Done app are now being routed to non-police outreach rather than the police. But I think one thing I come back to a lot when I think about these outreach operations, which I think Gloria's team would argue are happening more, is that we have to think about what are these outreach week, uh, workers, particularly the police department's outreach team, what are they able to offer? Usually that's shelter. And folks at the camp that Adriana spoke with said that they were really concerned about going into shelters right now due to the recent COVID outbreaks that I've reported on. So many homeless people have very real safety concerns about shelter um, or have had past bad experience with them. So it matters what's being offered by those outreach workers. Yeah, I've heard concerns of COVID-19. Um, there was a family that was staying in the camp and, you know, the, the dad was explaining to one of um, the officers that, you know, if he goes into a shelter, he's going to be separated from his family and he didn't want that to happen and he had little children with him. So that was another reason I've heard in the past before of concerns of sexual assault and rape. And so there are there are real concerns from people not to go into the shelter. Yeah, I think there's this impression that like, that obviously people who are living like that would want to go into a, a, a place with a roof. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's that obvious. There's all kinds of considerations. There's the community you build out there, the safety that might come with what that feels like. There's the uh, there's the issues of how these shelters are, how they feel, what they look like, uh, what it, what it's like there, how secure you feel there, what you can't have, dogs or, or spouses or family or whatever. Like, it seems like there's a lot that actually goes into that. So it's not obvious that, you know, sending them or saying that you have a shelter available is going to be something that they would want to jump on. And it seems like that golf is actually more clear than ever. Like, these people seem to all know what's available. Yeah. When you're outside, yes, obviously the ideal situation is not to sleep and stay out in the streets, but you've built a community. People have built communities out there and they look out for each other. So when you go to a shelter, you might be next to people or you might be staying with people that you're not familiar with that you can't trust. So what, which option sounds better to you? To stay with people that you know are going to have your back or to be somewhere where you might uh, face violence or you know uh, uncertainty with the people that you're around with? Or even just lack of privacy. Yeah, I mean, you know, exactly. like I've been in yeah. the, the, those shelters. They, the people who work there, do a, a great job under tough circumstances. But it, it's not a place where you go to have some time to yourself. And right. in some of these homeless encampments, you might actually be able to to kind of be alone if you'd like to be alone. Yeah. Um, Lisa, so this, I, I realize that it's sort of a moving target to understand what the city's policy on this is right now. Um, can you let, let focus on this Midway operation that happened this week? If this happened a year ago under Mayor Faulkner, would this have been different? And if so, how? Again, I do think that um, Todd Gloria's team would argue that there there was more outreach in the days before this operation. But then that sort of takes us back to the question, though, of what are those outreach workers offering, um, particularly those police uh, department staff? Um, given that 
there's a lot of question about can we trust the police also on top of the safety concerns um, that folks have about about shelter and whether that makes sense for them. There's a lot of trepidation about who's offering the shelter. But one thing I would like to say is different um, that I am not hearing about happening, and this this wouldn't pertain to this operation. Um, but one change that has been clear is I am not hearing about these cleanup operations or enforcement happening so much at night or during bad weather. And we did see some of that soon after the mayor took office. And that is something that he gave some clear direction on that does seem to have stuck. But in in general, Lisa, you've been following this, you've been covering this. It seems like the city's basic framework that we are going to try to offer shelter to people who want it, and we're not going to let these encampments settle in for the long term anywhere. That that's that that policy that was kind of developed by Mayor Faulkner after the Hep A crisis, crisis four or five years ago. That that has basically continued into this one. In a general sense, yes. I think the the talking point a lot is we don't want to allow another public health crisis to emerge like we saw with hepatitis A, which really was fueled by poor sanitation. Um, But interestingly, you know, during COVID, there have been other sets of public health concerns about dispersing these camps. And actually, the CDC had directed that they perhaps shouldn't be dispersed as much because that could spread COVID more. I do think that um, Mayor Gloria's team has been at least talking about looking at more strategic deployments of outreach. So when they have a big camp, um, that they would take a more strategic approach to that. I would imagine, you know, he did hire a new homelessness point person or homelessness czar, as folks like to say. And I would imagine that that may be something that she may be considering uh, going forward, but largely things mostly are looking the same at the moment. And there's still a ton of people living on the streets. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen any qualitative difference. If not, it's gotten worse since he's been mayor. It, it, is, is there something I'm missing there? I think that homelessness is certainly more visible now in part because it seems that there have been some enforcement changes and that is something I'm trying to get to the bottom of a bit. It's, it's not a simple thing to just figure out. I wish it were. Um, but, uh, but it does seem like there are some changes. I think we have also seen, you know, that, um, you know, the police for a time were not able to book people in jail. And they said that that did have a real impact on their enforcement strategy for many months during COVID. Um, also, uh, we're, you know, hearing stories of, you know, and a lot of concern about the homeless population rising due to economic impacts of COVID. Um, so some of that may already be playing out on our streets. It's been hard to figure out exactly what's going on up to this point um, without more of a homeless census since the uh, county took a break from that this year. Uh, let me just ask one other thing before I let you go. There's a lot of folks who are upset about the enforcement action that occurred midway. What do you think a consensus among them would say if they if if somebody asked them like well, okay what would you do if you had the key to the city if you had the power to pull something off what would what would the other side the other vision be for for addressing the situation i think they would argue that the city and county need to dramatically increase the resources that they have available 
um, and provide a broader array of resources. Um, you know, as Adriana was explaining earlier, there are a lot of reasons why folks that want to be off the street don't necessarily want to go into shelter. Um, and so they would argue that there should be more resources available, especially for the most vulnerable. Um, there are a lot of seniors living on the street, lots of people with disabilities, um, and shelters aren't always extremely accommodating places for folks. By resources, you mean different hotel rooms or all kinds of a portfolio of different options for them to take? Yes, different hotel rooms. And also, I would say, you know, one thing I hear resoundingly is that, you know, the city and the county could do a better job getting the input of homeless individuals on the solutions that they think would work to address the problems Um, that, you know, many homeless individuals I've known over the years actually are sweeping up their own camps and might like to have a trash can. Um, or a bathroom available. I can't tell you how many people have shared with me, you know, one thing that would really help with sanitation in my area is if we could just have easy access to a bathroom or even trash cans where we could throw away our items. Um, And that would be, you know, a more productive way, allow the community to help itself a little bit more versus, you know, have these um, cleanup operations that can be really disturbing to these individuals. It's interesting that you say that because I just remember that yesterday during the sweeps um, when city workers were taking a whole bunch of trash and putting it into the garbage truck and um, basically smushing it down, there were they were taking this big pile of trash and there was a broom in that pile. And then one of the homeless residents was like, wait, wait, let me get the broom because that's good stuff. And so one of the city workers was like, yeah, sure, take it. So he saved that and he goes, I need it to clean my area. And so you look at these situations and things like that, and you realize this is not what anyone here wants. Like homeless individuals do not want to be here. They're not, you know, choosing to be on, you know, the street. Granted, they they might choose to be on the street um, rather than be on the shelter, but that's not what they want long term, you know. And these sweeps, for me, it seems very performative because there's not much that gets done. Like in a couple of hours, things go back to normal and you just w- the city has wasted a whole bunch of resources on something that goes away for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can attest to that. We need to have a lot more public restrooms available to it's just it's wild how hard it is to find a place to go. And, and obviously, if you live on the street, well, what are you going to do? So thank you, Adriana and Lisa. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in the great Voice of San Diego podcast studio in San Diego's downtown. We got a new one starting soon. We'll talk about that in a second. So maybe that descriptor will need to be updated. But do not forget to get your PolitiFest tickets this weekend. Early bird pricing ends October 4th. Our team has put together a week-long virtual event each night. On law and justice, head to VOSD.org slash PolitiFest for more details. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief. Andrew Keats is Assistant Editor. And this show was produced expertly by Adrian Heldes, Nate John, and Megan Wood. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.